Hey, my name is Brian Golden. I'm the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church. And I just want to personally thank you for listening to our podcast. And I also want to invite you wherever you are around the country or in the Tampa Bay area to join our digital online campus at centerpointfl.org. And here's what you need to know. Our vision is to create an alternative to church as usual for all people. And all that means is, regardless of whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus, you're new to faith, you're investigating faith, or you don't even know what you believe, our goal is for you to feel like you belong, even if you never believe. And so thank you again for listening, and I hope today's message encourages you and helps you. So in just a second, I'm going to um, land the plane on this series. A couple things real quick. Next week, um, a one-off message, First Things First is the title. Um, it, I'm super excited about it. you got to be here next week if you are in town um, or if you're joining us digitally. Um, no excuse, really. So next week, that's happening. And then beginning of December, I start a brand new series called Why in the World. I'm super excited as we head up to our um, several five or so Christmas Eve services and a ton of stuff planned this year that we can't wait to tell you about over the next two weeks. So we'll do that. But December 6th, Why in the World is starting. And again, you've been hearing a lot about generosity. That is the Sunday where we do our special offering Sunday. We do this every year. And if you, again, if you haven't gotten the cliff notes on this, this campaign is about give, serve, love. We're raising um, at least $40,000. Last year, you even surpassed that. We're giving every dollar of it away. None of it stays here. All of it goes to our partners around things like food scarcity and housing and mentorship and women's crisis and all of the incredible um, organizations that we partner with. World Vision, if you're outside of the country or um, our local area, there is stuff that is gonna impact beyond just the Tampa Bay area. So December 6th, a new series, and that's our offering Sunday. If you've not been to our site yet, you gotta do that centerpointfl.org slash generosity 2020 as we are giving, we're serving, um, and we're loving. And so there's a bunch of stuff on there how we want to encourage you to serve your neighbors. Um, That's totally up to you, but we hope you'll take us up on it. Um, Organizations where we'd love for you to go and serve tangibly, um, maybe with your family, with your kids, and then let's come strong on the 6th to make an incredible impact in our community. Last year, you guys gave away over $60,000. And again, it's not just a once a year thing. Every month, we're giving away to these organizations, and this is kind of a catalyst so we can kind of practice being generous for the rest of the year, so it's a big deal. So every year when we do this, though, I talk about the the whole subject of generosity, and specifically this year answering the question of how to be generous which in some ways is, seems a little insulting because all of us are like, I got that already. Like, we are generous, I'm kind, I, I love, I give stuff away. My white elephant gift way exceeds the limit. Like, I'm on it every single year. So it seems weird to say, like, how to be generous. But here's the reality. What we're talking about is not so much about do, it's about be. And there's a difference between I do some things that are generous compared to I am generous, and my life is organized around generosity. Like, here's just the reality. Like, if we, you live in the United States, if you don't, maybe this is still true of you. The more that we have and the more that we make as Americans, the less that we give away. And so um, the higher you get, the less goes away. I mean, I made fun of this in week one, but it's so easy when you're driving like a Pinto um, with an eight track. And I'm not talking about in 75, like you had this in 95, anybody? And like, you're just like, God, I surrender it all. And God's like, oh, you can keep it for a little while. Like, you don't really have much to give. 
And then as you get a little bit more, it's harder to give stuff away. Like it's easy to give 10 out of 100 as the zeros increase, we start to freak out. And so how do we organize our life around generosity? Here's what we said last week, is that generosity, like truly generous people, it actually supersedes random acts of giving. It actually supersedes cash flow, income, amount, because we think that our generosity is dependent upon those things. But the reality is you can be generous with very little and you can be generous with a lot. Amount almost doesn't matter. It has everything to do with I'm generous because I'm generous. And truly generous people, it supersedes all of those factors that we think need to line up in order for us to be generous. The reality is generous people, are they're just generous. They don't need to be inspired. They don't need to be guilted. They don't have to have a video. They have ordered their life. And what I'm gonna talk about today is they have a plan This is so important in terms of how to be generous and live a generous lifestyle. And this is just my thinking, but I think what we're gonna talk about is one of the greatest gifts that you could pass on to the next generation. If you're raising little guys right now, this is one of the things that you could hand off to them that I think is so unbelievably important. Now, let me say this one last thing because I said this last week. It needs to be said because some of you, like as soon as the church starts talking about anything related to stuff or money, you're like, oh crap, and I get that. Um, because you've had a bad experience, whatever. So here was my kind of invitation last week so that everybody just chills out. A lot of you don't do most of what I say any of the other weeks. So just do that again this week and go your way and get ready for Why in the World December series, okay? So there's, there's your out, all right? And you better not clap for that, but there, there's your out. Like you don't do a lot of it anyway. You can just continue that trend with this series. But for those of you who take it seriously, I'm telling you, It has the potential to change your life. It is such a powerful thing. It's why Jesus talks about it so much. And here was actually the promise that you see throughout scripture. This is my paraphrase. But when you become generous, you will give more, you will save more, just mark it down, and you will consume less. And one of the things that all of us know about ourselves, if we have any self-awareness, is that we have this amazing potential to undermine our own happiness for our future. And that's maybe never more, it's not any more important or true than it is with our finances, that we have the propensity to make decisions that undermine our financial world, undermine our peace, and undermine our own happiness. Jesus actually said this, and this is my paraphrase of Jesus, is that as you give, you will be happier, His words were, blessed are those who give rather than receive. In the Greek, that word literally just means happier. Literally, your life will be better, Jesus says, if you follow how I have designed you to live. And that's not all about you. The more you are full of you, the more you're gonna be empty. The more that you empty yourself in every area of your life, the more you're gonna be full. Like, I want you to follow me into this, Jesus would say. Now, here's the contrast to what we're gonna look at and what Jesus says, but, but here's the reality for most of us. When you start talking about money, the word that springs to the surface or that is in the back of your mind is the word right here. And I think it's gonna be on a graph or it's like somewhere here if you're watching digitally, like right there, I think. Um, so the word associated with money is the word at the top of this right here, which is what? Worry. Like when you start talking about anything related to our stuff or our money, the thing that comes up over and over again is worry. We're worried about stuff. We're worried about, are we gonna have enough to pay their tuition? We're worried about, are we gonna have enough to retire? Are we gonna have enough to purchase whatever? Are you gonna have enough to redo your floors? Are you gonna have enough for next year? How's it gonna look five years from now? But over and over and over again, you are concerned about, you are worried about the future in regard to your money and your stuff. And here's what, 
you know, not to get like too personal, but here's generally our response to that worry that we feel around our money and our stuff. We spend more than we make. And, and like, we're worried about, are we gonna have enough? Are we gonna have enough for the future? And then we spend 105% of what comes in. We spend more than we make. And then after we spend more than we make, we end up with debt. And here's the crazy thing. Again, we end up with debt in a lot of cases on depreciating assets. So literally we accumulate debt and the moment we drive it off or the moment we purchase it, the value goes down and the price goes up. And so we worry and then we spend more than we make and then we have debt. And then guess what happens when you have debt? you have no margin. Like there's no margin there. There's, there's no room there. There's no space there whatsoever. And then when you have no margin, guess what you do? You worry. You have anxiety because there's no margin. There's no wiggle room. There's no space. And then when there is no margin and you worry, then we tend to spend more than we make. And then we have debt, and then we have no margin, and then we worry some more. And here's the thing about this. Let me add a couple words. The thing that we worry about is future consumption. And what I'm talking about, and we talked about this a little bit last week, it's all about a mindset. It's all about how you think about your stuff, how you think about your money. But a lot of us worry about future consumption, and then we, can, we consume more than we afford. And here's where this comes from. This is the mindset behind it. It's the consumption assumption talked about last week, is that you live without ever stating it, and maybe you'd never put it into these words, but you live with the, the reality or the thought process that everything that comes to me is for me. It's why you are amazed at yourself every time you give anything away, because you're like, how amazing am I that I would give some of my stuff away? Because we live under this idea of if it comes to me, it's for me, which generally means most of it is spent on you. And so we are worried about future consumption. We consume more than we afford. And then we end up with what? Consumer debt. Now, here's what we said last week, and this is a rhetorical question, but how much more would you need to eliminate that? Like how much more would you need to eliminate that worry about future consumption? How much more would you need to eliminate this thing where you end up with no margin for future consumption? Like how much more would you need? And here's what we said last week, and I won't recap it, but the reality is that the answer to that question is always a little bit more than you currently have. Because it's really not about a more issue or an amount issue, it's about a management of issue. And so we worry about future consumption, we consume more than we afford, we have consumer debt, and we have no margin for future consumption. And then guess what we worry about some more? We worry about future consumption. And here's what this comes down to, because again, this is not a money problem. This is a management of problem. And so we spend more than we make, we consume more than we afford. And at the end of the day, the, the epicenter of the issue is it's a self-control issue. It's not a how much money issue. Here's what's crazy. Like I remember years ago, me and my wife first getting together and we got, um, we ended up at lunch with this couple that was, I mean, legit wealthy. I don't know how we ended up there, but we did. We were trying to start a church. We had no money. And so we were sitting down with it. They had millions of dollars, entrepreneurial. They had started several companies. And so we're listening to them. They're way older than us. And they're talking about their life. And, and I remember like midway through the conversation, they started to talk about how they were worried about the future because you never know. You just never know what's gonna happen. Somebody gets sick, whatever. And I just remember walking away from the table and us leaving going, if they're worried about money, we have no hope for our future. Are you kidding me? Because it has nothing to do with amount. 
People making a million dollars a year, people making $30,000 a year or minimum wage. It has everything to do with the management of spending more than you make is a self-control issue regardless of how much you have. And debt is always a contentment issue because we talked about this. Contentment or this desire to acquire, it's an appetite. And appetites can never fully and finally be satisfied. The more you feed them, the more they grow. And the problem with your appetite to acquire is it does not get satisfied when the money runs out. And so debt is a contentment issue and then you have no margin, which is a discipline issue. And here's the reality. It does not matter if you get more because your habits will go with you. And so if tomorrow somehow miraculously you got a 15% raise, all of the habits that you currently have are gonna follow you with more money. You're gonna do all of the same things as the zeros increase. And then if you're a Jesus follower, now, because if you're not a Jesus follower, you don't have to pay attention to this. You are not obligated to anything Jesus says if you're not following Jesus, but this may help you. But here's the reality for Jesus followers is then we end up back at the top and worry, anxiety around our future. Guess what that is? That is a spiritual issue. Because we've not taken Jesus seriously in these areas. And so my conclusion is just this. If you want to talk about crazy, that is crazy. That's ridiculous. There is a better kind of crazy. And here's what I want to tell you, and I got to move quick. But generous people do not give in to the consumption assumption. And that is that everything that comes to me is for me. Because when you do, you live like an owner. And that's a myth. Come on. Anything that is gonna be taken away was never yours to begin with. And at the end of your life, I have to tell you this, you are not hanging on to any of it, which means by definition, you are simply a manager. But when you live with a consumption assumption, you live under the myth of ownership and you live as a consumer and every time you live as a consumer, you are discontent. And I'm just telling you, the way off of that crazy cycle is to reorder and to reprioritize your financial world. And it's as simple as this, but it's difficult and it's crazy because I'm telling you, nobody does it. You need to reprioritize what is last and you need to make it first. Just mark it down. If you reprioritize what is last and you make it first, and I'll try to make my case, it will begin to be a catalyst for everything else financially. And I'm telling you, it has a direct impact on how you feel, on your fulfillment, and on your peace. And we said this last week, every single happy person has one thing in common. They have peace. And for some of you, your financial world, not because of how much you have, but because of how you, how you manage it, it has stolen your peace. And so a couple of things. Here's my definition of generosity. So I wanna unpack this real quick. This is not, I'm not trying to inspire you. I don't have some big whatever, you know. This is just street level because I didn't wanna end this series without trying to help you. So I wanna unpack this definition, look at a couple verses, tie a bow on this, and then you can go to the next series. Here's my definition of generosity. Are you still with me in the house or online? Not sure. Okay. Here's the definition. This is clunky, but... I needed the whole thing to unpack this. Generosity is the predetermined, specified, designated freeing of personal financial assets. I don't expect you to remember that. But that's what it is. And, And the first part is truly generous people who order their life around this, it's predetermined, which means generosity, like ordering, I'm not talking about random acts of giving, those are great. That doesn't mean necessarily you're generous. I'm talking about ordering your life. Generous people always have a plan. Now, as soon as I say that, I know you're like, well, I'm not a planner. 
I don't plan anything. I don't like, like that's not who I am. I'm not wired that way. Like look at my Enneagram. Like I'm just not a plan. My disc profile, whatever it is, I'm not a planner. But here's the reality. You have a plan. Like you have a plan financially because if somebody were to follow you around and watch your spending habits and your buying habits and record it all and put it all together and then come to you with it after several weeks or several months, you would look at that and go, oh yeah, that is what I do. Like, that is how I spend money. That is how I buy. That is kind of the rhythm. Like, they would literally be able to sit down and go, you've never identified it, but you actually have a plan. Here's the reality. Everybody has a plan financially. Many of you don't know what your plan is, and it's a bad plan, but all of us have a plan. And here's just my point. When you live under the consumption assumption, just mark it down, you will consume it, you will save if you can, and then you'll give whatever is left over. But when you want to reorder your financial world, you've got to flip that upside down. And for some of you, you have the advantage to have a 401k or your company, they save, they save it for you. But still, even besides that, you don't really have a plan. So you consume it all first, you save some, and then you give whatever is left over. And then we say crazy things like this. If I didn't see it, I wouldn't spend it. What? Yeah, if I didn't see it, I wouldn't spend it. Well, that's not really a good plan. So the reality is when you live under those assumptions, you give spontaneously, you give sporadically, and you give sparingly. And it's great. We all give at some level. But you don't order your lifestyle around generosity. Generous people, it's predetermined. They have a plan to live their life in a way that is generous. Second part of it is this, the predetermined, specified, designated, I, want to put, I wanted to put emancipation of personal financial assets, but that was too far. The predetermined, specified, specified meaning this, generosity requires you to decide ahead of time how much. Like what, what, what's my plan and how generous do we wanna be? How much do I wanna give away? And I would just suggest this, generosity requires a specific amount and a percentage or a specific amount, I should say, or a percentage. And here's the thing I would suggest. I think a percentage is better because the more you make, the more you'll give away. Now I get it. That the whole Pinto example at the beginning, that freaks us out because it's so easy to give when we don't have anything. And the percentages generally are higher. That's why like if somebody comes and goes, I mean, this person gave this much, they're so generous. Maybe you don't really know because generosity really depends on like uh, whatever that person is at, whatever they're making, the more they give, the more they give away. And there's people with very little who are extraordinarily generous. And so you have to determine how much, and as zeros get bigger, it freaks us out. But if you, if you live on a percentage, you will be unlike most Americans, which will be the more I make and the more I have, the more I'm gonna give away. And for generous people, they will give it before they consume it. And I'm telling you, I'll talk about this in a second. It will begin to reorder and reprioritize your financial world simply by putting normally what is last first, and ultimately you will give a percentage, you will give a priority, I'm gonna give it first, and it will be progressive, meaning the more you make, the more God has blessed you, the more that you are gonna give away. So generosity, it's predetermined, you gotta have a plan. It is specified how much, how often, and then it is designated of the freeing of personal financial assets. Here's my definition. Designated, generosity requires you to designate ahead of time where it's gonna go. Now, here's the thing, some of you, you, you get so like resistant to generosity because you've been burned and everybody's always asking for something, right? 
Like everybody always wants something. Everybody's asking for your money every, everywhere you go. And so like you just get, get kind of turned off. But listen, when you order your life around this, you never have to feel guilty about saying no because you've already predetermined and designated your yes. So in your line of like, well, why don't you give so much to whatever? Hey, do you wanna add this to give to the whatever, whatever? All those are great, but you don't have to feel a tinge of guilt when you begin to order your life around this to go, no, I'm not gonna do that. Great cause, no. Thank you for asking, no, because I've already ordered my life around generosity and I've already said yes to things, so it makes it easier to say no to other things because my life is already ordered in this direction. So it's not spontaneous. It's not just when I feel it. It's not just because I'm guilted into it. You've already come up with a a plan of how to be generous and you don't ever have to feel guilty. I said this in week one, no matter how much you have, you should never feel guilty. You should only feel responsible. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And you've heard this before, but I mean, there, this is so powerful and so true because wherever your stuff goes, wherever your money goes, just mark it down. Your heart is gonna follow it. Your passions are gonna follow it. Your emotion at some level is gonna follow it. We become emotional about our money. And here's the other really cool thing about what Jesus says is this, is that if you wanna redirect your heart, here's one of the ways you do it. You just start to redirect your money. And your passions and your desires will begin to follow it. You can look at it like this. Saving is how you say yes to you. Generosity is how you say yes to what is important to you. And here's the thing. All of us have been in that situation where we're like, man, I feel like this need. I wish I could contribute. I wish I could be more generous to this. I wish I could give. And in some cases, the reason that we can't is simply because we did not plan to. You don't have a plan to be generous around the things that capture your heart the most. In a lot of cases, it's a self-control issue. It's a discipline issue. It's a debt issue. So here's what I would suggest in terms of, okay, if I wanna be generous and order my life around this, how do I de determine where, where I wanna send it? And I just give you two questions that you give from a grateful heart, a broken heart. And here's the questions. What are you grateful for? What are you broken over? What are you grateful for? What are you broken over? What are you grateful for? What are you broken over? Some of you heard me talk about vision before. Vision in any sector, corporate, ministry, all the, anywhere around the world, you see this in the book of Nehemiah, vision is always an answer to a perceived problem. Somebody becomes broken over something that's happened. Somebody sees something in the world and goes, somebody needs to change this. And then vision is born out of that where they go, I, I wanna change this. I wanna fix what is broken. I wanna help reconcile what has been torn apart. That's in every area of life. Anybody who comes up with a great product in business at some level, it's an answer to a perceived problem in the marketplace. It's true everywhere. And so when you have a broken heart around something to go, that needs to be changed. That needs to be done. Somebody needs to do something. Somebody needs to help them. That's an indication of where God is leading your life. And you're not all gonna be broken around the same things. But what are you grateful for? And what are you broken over? Because at some level that should lead the way with your generosity. It's why, um, and you'd expect me to say this, but it's why anybody who loves their local church should be generous to their local church. 
Anybody, and if you're not at, at a place where you feel that way, you should find another church. You should find another church. Like you should find a place where you are passionate about it. Of I wanna tear away unnecessary barriers. I wanna create an alternative to church as usual. I wanna have my kid love the local church and wanna continue to be in the local church beyond 18. I wanna be a part of something that is the safest place in the world for anybody struggling with anything, whether it's an affair or a porn addiction or mental illness. I I wanna be a part of a place that's a little more hospital and a little less country club. I wanna be a part of something that is known for loving other people in their city, in their community. And it really is not an invitation of get your crap together and come, it's just come with all all of your crap, white, black, gay, straight, Republican, Democrat. You've heard us talk about it over and over and over again, but I wanna be a part of that and I wanna change my city. I wanna change my world. And so if that's captured your imagination and your heart, you should be generous toward it. You should have a plan for it. And, and this is our hope every time this year, you should look in your community, look at local partners who are making a difference, and then as you answer the question of what what breaks your heart, what are you grateful for? As much as possible, you should support those organizations. Like it's why, it was our very concerted effort that we would build our church around what we are doing right now, that, that we would highlight these partner organizations and we're nowhere near where we wanna be. We want, we want this to build every year. One of my goals is that one day, and I mean this and come back to this, you think I'm crazy, that we will give away a million dollars where just every dollar goes away. One day we will get to that point, we will. But you should find those local partners and you should begin to serve. You should, you should give your money toward them and, and do it around the areas that break your heart. It's why we work with about 10 partners in our community because everybody's gonna have a different angst and that's okay. What are you broken over? What are you grateful for? What would happen if the church was known for generosity? Generous people don't feel guilty saying no because they've already said yes. Now, real quick, because you're freaking out right now because I haven't even really gotten to a verse. This is gonna be really fast, and I'm gonna end this plane, all right? Just trust me. Um, but real quick, Paul, in the New Testament, he started writing these letters to churches that had just gotten started. And he was basically talking about this whole generosity thing, like, hey, here's how you handle this. This is what you need to do to have maximum impact in your community. And he started planting these churches all over the Mediterranean rim. But the church actually got birthed in Jerusalem and then headed out from Jerusalem. But the people who stayed in Jerusalem, who are part of the Jesus movement, they became impoverished. In a lot of cases, they became persecuted. They became marginalized because the Jesus movement was a threat to the religious establishment. And so Paul, as he's writing these letters to the churches to go, hey, here's how you need to be generous. Here's how you need to have maximum impact in your city and your community. He begins to reference Jerusalem to go, hey guys, Those of you who have more than enough, you need to be generous toward our brothers and sisters in Jerusalem because they're being persecuted, they're being marginalized, they're in a very difficult situation. And so as Paul's writing these letters, the other churches around the Mediterranean are like, okay, we're grateful for Jerusalem because it all started there. And our heart breaks for what's happening to those Christians. And so Paul, that's why I wanna share this, 2,000 years ago, in case you think I made all that up, goes, okay, this is the way forward for you as followers of Jesus as the church. And Paul's like, this is going to have maximum impact. And here these guys are, and they had no idea standing there when this movement is still fledgling what God was going to use them to do to change the world. 
And so he writes these churches, and here's what he says. I'll go through it real quick. 1 Corinthians 16.1. He's writing to this church in Corinth, and he says this, about the collection for the Lord's people, about the whole money thing and giving thing and generosity. Do what I told the Galatian churches, meaning I'm writing to a lot of churches. I'm just copy and pasting. I'm saying the same thing to all of you. And then he says this. Here's how you handle this. And, and just listen, this is before banking. This is before you could text to give. This is before an app. But he's like, here's how you handle this. On the first day of the week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money, i.e., Paul's like, guys, Jesus followers, nobody else has to do this, but if you're a follower of Jesus, you need to have a plan. Don't wait till the spirit moves, which is, I shouldn't say it's the dumbest thing. It's the, it's the craziest thing. No, the spirit should move. I'm, you're gonna take me way out of context, but we love to just latch onto the spirit moves. Generally in the church, the spirit moves whenever the building is full. But anyway, like spirit move, how good the communicator is. Do I feel motivated? No, he's like, just have a plan. Predetermined, specified, designated plan for how you're gonna be generous. And then he says this, okay, so how much? On the first day of the week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money. And then he says this, in keeping with your income. And all the religious people are like, that's not good enough because we need like rules and we need like, we need to tell you, you need, we, you, we need you to tell us a number. Like when you're ambiguous, that doesn't help. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. Um, through the writings of Paul, as much as you have prospered or the literal translation to whatever extent one has prospered. So in essence, what are you grateful for? What are you broken over? Yeah, but we need an amount. I'm not giving you an amount. When you begin to be driven by compassion and order your life around generosity, you won't need an amount. I want you to give to the extent that you have prospered. This is not popular with a lot of pastors, but here's just the truth. The New Testament gives no amount and no percentage prescribed. It is, you are now driven by grace, and when you understand how much God has loved you and understand that you can trust God in every area of your life, your sexuality, your money, and everything else, you're gonna follow Jesus into this. So I want you to give according to how you have been prospered. And then he says this, saving it up, and generally in their culture, like in a hole, so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Basically, Paul's like, when I get there, I'm not gonna have to inspire you. Our production team's not gonna put together a video I'm not gonna move into trying to guilt you into anything. I, I'm not gonna have to hype you up with, with music. I, like when I come, I know that you're gonna be generous because you're generous and you've planned to be generous and you've specified and you've designated and you've ordered your life around this and you understand what's at stake. And that's what generous people do. That's how generous people, that's how they live. And then when I arrive, verse three, I'm gonna give letters of introduction to the men that you approve. Paul's like, you're not giving this to me. And then I'm gonna send them with your gift back to Jerusalem. And the churches did it. In some cases, they gave out of the fact that they had plenty. In some cases, they gave out of the fact that they had very little, but they had more than those in Jerusalem. And here's this little fledgling movement around the Mediterranean rim that began to take off, but it's still a handful of churches. And I wish that I could unpack this for you, but I get too bogged down in history. But their, it, their generosity was so extreme that I would make the case it's the single greatest factor for what happened around the fourth century when the Roman Empire was turned upside down by the Jesus movement. The reason it was turned upside down was because of their generosity. And they had no idea in this moment. But their generosity and their willingness to take Paul seriously, it changed the West. It moved the Jesus movement out of the first century and everything began to change. And in fact, they made a massive imprint on the world. Why? 
because they took Jesus seriously and they took the, Paul, the writings of Paul seriously and they predetermined we're gonna have a plan. They specified how much, how often, pick a percentage, give it first. And then they designated, hey, where are we gonna, where are we gonna send our money? Where are we gonna send our resources? What breaks your heart? What are you grateful for? What breaks your heart? What are you grateful for? Here's the best way that I can summarize this, and we end it with this last week, but it's as simple as this, but it's so difficult. Give, save, live. And I know some of you, that's not a Jesus thing. I mean, in the essence of it's, it's everywhere. It's just, it's just kind of common wisdom. But so many of us live according to that. Give, save, live on the rest. Meaning reprioritize what generally is last and move it up first. And I'm just telling you, when you do, everything changes. Because generous people, just mark this down, have an easier time saying no to things that undermine their financial future because they do not live like consumers. Here, last, last graph real quick that I think is gonna be on the screen. Here, here's what it looks like. They decide to do what few people are willing to do and they don't give last, they give first. They designate, they decide how much, they decide where, and then they save and then they live on the rest. Whatever that looks like for you, 10, 10, 80, you got a different plan, but they give first, they save second, they live on the rest, and guess what results from that every single time, regardless of how much you make? Peace. And every happy person, have a conversation with them over coffee. Every truly happy or fulfilled person you've ever met, met this is the common denominator. They have peace. And I would argue if they're a Jesus follower, they have peace with God, they have peace with themselves and they found a way as much as it's depending on them to have peace with other people around them. And the reality that we looked at last week is this. When you allow your money to manage you rather than the other way around, you feel out of control. And when you feel out of control in any area of your life, you feel anxiety and worry. And when you feel anxiety and worry, you are not happy. And when you are not happy, you do not have peace. And Jesus says, follow me. I want you to have peace. I want you to live beyond this cultural crazy. And when you live like a manager rather than a consumer, everything changes. Because come on, living like you are owning everything, it's just not common sense. If it's all gonna be taken away, you never really owned it anyway. So why miss the opportunity to give it away and to live differently? And I'm just telling you, and you don't have to believe me, you can go on with your life after today. This is maybe where I get more emails every year than anything else of people going, I took this seriously and I'm telling you it changed my life. Jesus is smart. And the way off of cultural crazy in regard to your stuff is generosity. And it will over time begin to change how you view everything. I don't have time to really talk about this, but early in our marriage, Nicole and I had saved up for something. We had, we had bought this just absolutely dilapidated um, townhouse that we got a really good deal on. We were trying to start a church. Um, she was a Christian school teacher. We had nothing. And when I say we had nothing, we had nothing. And I always call it sanctified naivety. We were just like, we're going to do this thing and we just, it's going to work. It'll work. And so um, we just had that idea, but we had no money. We we're trying to make it work. We had no furniture for our place. And so we were saving up money to get something. Um, I think it was a couch or something. And then we started coming across this thing for, I think it was Compassion International. And there was this little kid in Haiti that we wanted to not adopt adopt but we were going to send money but we didn't have any money we didn't have money to furnish our house but there was this little kid by the name of um frank 
because they would pick um, American names. So it's like, it was the cutest, like Frank from Haiti that I had ever seen in my life. And we're like, okay, how, like we just started to have this wrestle. Like, how can we give money this as important as it is? And my point is, it's, is not that it wasn't important, but suddenly you start to see everything different. Like it's either a couch or it's Frank and Haiti. And like, there's something about Frank and Haiti that like they have way more or they have way less than we do, even though we feel like we don't have a, a lot at this point in our lives. And, and it just begins to change how you view your stuff. And it's not that one thing is good or one thing is bad or that you shouldn't buy a couch or, or that you should feel guilty about God's blessing in your life. But my point is when you begin to live unlike a consumer and begin to order your life around generosity, your stuff will be viewed differently. And in fact, in a lot of cases, you're gonna turn your stuff into stories because you'll realize it's not just about consumption and everything that comes to me is not for me. I'm a steward, I'm a manager, I'm not an owner. And Jesus says it this way, happier is the person who orders their life around giving rather than receiving. Because I'm telling you, when you live like an owner, you will be empty and you will always want more. And you will not be satisfied when the money runs out. And Jesus says, there's a better way. So as I end this series, I just wanna say this. Can you imagine what would happen if every Christian just got this right? Can you imagine what would happen? Because as you do, something happens in your heart. And your heart begins to be motivated to live more responsibly. And I'll just tell you, this is what's gonna happen. You will hate debt because it will keep you from putting your money where your heart is. And something else is gonna happen. And that is if the church got this right, if we as Jesus followers got this right, and wherever you're living and watching me right now, if we got this right, the face and the reputation of the church would change. Because it is hard to hate people who are generous toward you. And we would be known for loving other people the way that Jesus has loved us because one of the most powerful expressions of, gener of love is generosity. And I think as you read the New Testament, that's exactly what Jesus had in mind for us as the church. And I'm just gonna tell you one more time, I say this a lot, but it's true. This one area, I sit with more couples and more families every year where the epicenter of where things started flying off the rails was their financial world. And now everything is in chaos. If you take Jesus seriously, it has the power to change your family. It has the power to rearrange a relationship. It has the power to change your city. What would happen if the Jesus followers outgave everybody else? And maybe someday somebody will ask you why. And inevitably somebody will. They'll find out about one of your crazy habits or the fact that you give money away first or you're involved in whatever, whatever, and you're just gonna get the, why, why do you do that? And they won't agree with you. They may vote differently than you. They may look differently than you. They may be a skeptic and they don't buy into the whole Jesus thing, but they'll just ask why. And the answer to that question is that we are most like Jesus when we are generous. Because God so loved the world that he gave. So church, if you're not a Jesus follower, you should play and just see what happens. But if you're a Jesus follower, if you're a part of Centerpoint Church locally, globally, let's give, let's serve, let's love, and it'll change other people. But what many of you are not ready for and what you have not believed maybe until this point is, it will change you. 
And for some of, the, of you who've been trying to chase things and run down peace, and those things can never ultimately bring you that peace and that happiness, Jesus is going, there is a better way in the very thing that you have been chasing. It's found if you will follow me and you will trust me in this area of your life. So let's give, let's serve, let's love. Would you pray with me online and in the house? Would you stand with me as our worship team comes? Jesus, we thank you so much for who you are. I pray as a church that more than anything, and this is my heart, I want this for people. And so regardless of whether they do anything today or this week or this month or not, I pray that you'd begin to move in their hearts where they'd start to take this seriously. They'd begin to take baby steps to reorder their financial world and you would use that to change them. And so many in this room who could talk about it better than me or watching online, they understand how powerful a principle this is. And so God, just for a lot of us, move this from our head to our heart and begin to move us to take steps in such a way that it'll just begin to change things. And I pray for us as a church, unapologetically, that we would be known for generosity. I pray as we get to practice over the season and for this to be a catalytic time to really help our partner organizations around areas that are so significant with food scarcity and many others, that we would give financially on December 6th. We would serve with our time. We would love our neighbors. And I pray increasingly as people hear about and know about Centerpoint, this is the thing that we would be known for. And so God, just move in our hearts. We're asking this and we're praying this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.